Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thank you for clicking download and for pressing play and for keeping the Smart Gilas Pilipinas podcast alive. We are recording from the Mellow 94.7 studios here in Mandaluyong City. And for you newcomers, my name is Stan. My name is Ro. And we are bringing you this week's episode of the Smart Gilas Pilipinas podcast. Ro, buddy, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. It's been a rough week. And, um, you know, I've been, I've been so busy. I've been having so much overtime logged in lately. And I haven't really had time to watch... Some wrestling. Um, I, I was able to watch Raw live because of the holiday. Thank you, holidays. Thank you, holidays on a Tuesday. Thank you. Um, but after that, I could not catch up until this morning. Uh huh. This morning, I woke up early as I usually do. I went down to the net shop because I don't have internet in the new place I, I live in. I fact, uh, <laughs> fact, I live in Makati now in an apartment, and I don't have internet yet there, or I don't have reliable internet. So I go down to an internet cafe, and that's where I usually watch my wrestling. And it's for cheap then. Uh, I can go, what, three hours on 50 pesos. Wow, that's yeah, a great rate. Nice deal, right? And anyway, so I catch up on my wrestling this morning. And as I was, you know, I, I catch uh, Destination X and I catch this week's NXT as I usually do. And after, as I was uh, no, about to leave, this kid comes in because uh, this particular net shop Net Cafe has an Xbox 360 or a PS3, uh, something either of those. I don't, I haven't, I don't see it. But uh, uh, okay, the kid comes in and he goes, he goes there. He he fires up the console, and then the the, the game he plays is WWE 13 from two years ago, right? So, and okay, he's a kid, so I'm sure this is. I I, I think to myself, this is going to be entertaining at the very least. So you hovered over this kid? Not about hovered. I was, I was, I was still in my seat. I okay. was still in my seat. I was just watching him because it was pretty. I was pretty close to. Right. I know. I was just behind him actually, the computer. And okay, so I, I watch what he's doing, and the first thing he does is he goes to the exhibition mode, as most will do. Okay, so he sets up a tag match, right? And he, okay, the the roster screen isn't isn't full as you would if you haven't unlocked everyone yet. And so he sets it up. Um, Shawn Michaels on one team. Okay. And Alicia Fox. That's a pretty odd team, but okay. <laughs> and another team is I don't remember. I don't remember who he, he was fighting, but uh, uh, also a wrestler diva pairing. So it's a random wrestler yeah, diva pairing random versus wrestler, another yeah, random yeah, wrestler diva yeah, pairing. Yeah, and you know he just I think it was Kelly Kelly or something, something okay. like that. Right, and, right. And you know, um, I, I thought to myself. I would do the same kind of thing. Maybe not the same thing, but the same kind of thing if I were a child uh, playing my very first um, 
wrestling video game. You know what? I think all of us have done something similar uh, when we first got a hold of our first wrestling game. Hell, yeah. I remember some of the stupid things I did when I first got a hold of my, my first SmackDown versus Raw. Like, I would remember playing around with create a wrestler and create an entrance, and I would give Big Show and Kane the Divas tag team entrance. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I would do that too. I, right. I, I think that I did that too. Uh, the Undertaker or someone. Exactly. Yeah, the <laughs> Brothers of Destruction. Imagine two seven-footers walking down the ring na pabakla-bakla sila. <laughs> it, was, it was quite the scene. It was pretty hilarious. I love doing that. Or, or, or something that everyone has done uh, with their video games. Uh, giving the big show the 619. That is a classic. Yeah, that's a classic. Because, you, you know, uh, you, you just see this big guy uh, running through the ropes and diving and jumping through the ropes and coming back in with a kick. And, you know, you know I'm just, I just, it's just, I don't know. Silly things you would do uh, with a video game if you're not, you know, smartish or anything. Just because you can. Yeah, just because you can. Like, you know, I put together The Rock and Brock Lesnar as a tag team just because their names sound similar. I also gave the Big Show a lot of high flying moves. Like, I remember giving him the frog splash, the, the Art Bar frog splash, not just any frog splash, because Art Bars had this, this, uh, this torque in the air, right. which was higher than Eddie Guerrero's and RVD's. Right, right, I remember that one. And seeing him just crashing on somebody with that frog splash was pretty funny. Right, right, yeah. Well, yeah, that's all, that's all I have to say. Uh, it was a very interesting morning. So, uh, without further ado, let's move on, get to the meat of the show. We're a bit late to, uh, this week. So. Let's, let's get to it. Let's get to it with this list of the things that we like and don't like from this week in wrestling. We call this list Spots, Spots and Botches. Let's start off with our first spot from last week's NXT. And we enjoyed this match just because of the segments, especially the entrances. But let's get to it with the Sin Cara and Kalisto match against the Vaudevillains, Aiden English and Simon Gotch. It's a good match in itself, but um, we have to look at the... We have to look at the pairings on one side of the on the of the billing because we got Sin Cara and Kalisto. And it's a new team. It's a new team, but you know uh, what had to happen in order for this team to to, to come ar- to come around. Um, if you don't know, earlier this week, uh, Ricardo Rodriguez, formerly the ring announcer, personal ring announcer for Alberto Del Rio, and formerly the mask wrestler El Local, the former partner of Kalisto, that's right, has asked for his release and was granted. Right, so no more Ricardo Rodriguez and probably explains why Kalisto and El Local are no longer a team. But on the other side of this match, you have the Vaudevillains, Aiden English and Simon Gotch. If, you, if you're not familiar with them, they're actually trying to pull off this Carney gimmick. Uh, car- well, not well, a bit Carney, but more old school. Right, right. They, they don't talk at all. They try to go <laughs> yeah. all Charlie Chaplin on screen. Hell, every time they appear on screen, the screen turns black and white. And I actually like that touch. Yeah, I like this effect. <laughs> it, shows, uh, it shows the effort that they're committing to making the gimmick work. And I hope that um, it's, it's going to be a comedy gimmick, but I hope that they you know, are a bit serious then when, when, you know, when, when they go for the tag team gold. And more importantly, we hope that they maintain this gimmick and this character when they get called up to the main roster. So that's our first spot for this yes, week. Yes, but a moment of silence first for Ricardo Rodriguez. Damas y caballeros! Right, all right. <laughs> uh, we wish you well in your future endeavors. Thank you, Ricardo Rodriguez, for the memories. Uh, an, a botch from, uh, from last week's SmackDown, because we are uh, recapping this week in wrestling. Uh, we didn't like how the Usos... Uh, had a match against Ry Baxel on SmackDown, and it ended with the Usos winning because of a switcheroo. Right, and that was the first and only time they tried that, uh, something like that. And uh, when Stan first ta- uh, told me about this, uh, I thought, you know, I haven't seen it. I, he saw it first before I did. Yeah. And I thought, the mind that, you know, they were doing something that 
they were they were portraying a story in which uh, the Usos were out of their wits in trying to beat Roy Baxel because um, prior to that episode of SmackDown, uh, Jay Uso did not was not able to defeat uh, Ryback in singles action on main event. Unfortunately, that that wasn't exactly the case come yeah. SmackDown because they weren't out of their wits. Yeah, they were they were they were they were wrestling a strong match. Right, right. right? And they just saw the opportunity to pull off a switcheroo. And the switcheroo was never really in their character to begin with. They, they aren't like Eddie Guerrero where they lie, cheat, and steal. As, as far as we know, they're the cookie-cutter baby faces who stand up to the bad guys like the Wyatt family and like Ry Baxel. They've been coming to the aid of other superstars. So for them to pull off a heel tactic like a switcheroo isn't aligned and consistent with their character. Yeah, it, it's a top. The, the Usos are top faces. They're a top face team. They they're not booked weekly at all. No, not so at all. So th- this could only happen properly if the Usos, were, you know, were in the middle of a long match and they could they tried everything but they couldn't put uh, Ryback away, something like that. But no, none of these things happen in this match. So it's really out of character, talaga. And they're not underdogs. So that, again, that's out of character. And second, they're champions. They're supposed to be wrestling like champions because they're the good guys. So for them to pull off a heel tactic like a switcheroo kind of undermines their credibility as champions. So that's a botch on our list. Uh, uh, Next spot on the list. You know, I really like that uh, Cena-Cesaro match. You know, the entire Cena-Cesaro segment. Involving Paul Heyman. We can't uh, exclude Paul Heyman. The next uh, two spots. I mean, sorry. The next spot, uh, including this one, is going to be about... That particular segment because it was so strong. Uh, Cena, Cena gave out a strong promo as did Heyman as usual. And, and we always say this a lot on Twitter. If you follow us on Twitter or if you like, uh, if you join join our Facebook group, it's facebook.com slash groups slash Smart Gilas Pilipinas. Right. We say this all the time, but John Cena is always at his best on the mic when he's serious and not goofing around. Yeah, every, everyone knows this. Um, everyone is tired of you know comedic Cena, the the jokey Cena. So. Um, I, although uh, I, I have to admit that I, I noticed that he was um, recycling some of his promo material from the Rock feud. Uh, that a wasn't years hard ago. to notice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one a pass because um, he he put the right kind of emotion and, and passion in it. You know, to be fair to John Cena though, when he's goofing around, I'll probably let it pass if he's exercising his doctorate in thugonomics. Okay. His. Uh, which some people are accusing him of malpractice. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But uh, going back, John Cena and Paul Heyman, they've got chemistry on, uh, on the mic. I love how Paul Heyman was so incendiary, to borrow the term that you used to describe Right, Lana. okay, yeah, sure. He was very incendiary. Incendiary, right. And, and he really knew just how to make the audience eat out of the palm of his hands. Just when the audience was beginning to cheer for Paul Heyman, he takes it back and says something so scathing. That it'll make you want to hate him and and hate his client, right? Well, yeah, that that that's how that's why Paul Heyman is good. That's why he might be the best, maybe the best manager. Um, you know, the the WWE has seen lately. One thing is for sure, he can very well be the best heel in the game today. Yeah, he might be the number one heel on on top of the on top of the totem pole. That's right. That's right. Now. Uh, it was also, um, you know, that segment was also something worth praising, especially because of the way Cesaro came out and how they closed a loophole that Ro and I pointed out last week on the podcast. Right. No, it's not really a loophole. It's more of something we were, we were not happy about because okay, fine. Um, yeah. That's well, right. uh, we just saw, you know, right before Battleground, we just saw Cesaro going on his own, going out on his own, uh, apparently dropping Heyman quietly. And then what happened last week was, you know, closure for us. 
Because yes. um, Cesaro says that even though he's not a Paul Heyman guy anymore, he has no hard feelings toward Paul Heyman, and he is so willing to consider him as his friend. And they shared nice. a borderline awkward hug, actually. Yeah, but it's it, nice. But, um, it was okay, nice. But, um, at least there's no awkward um, separation or anything. And at least there is still some you know, relation between them. There's still some association between them. Because of their past allegiance. And yeah. they are still both bad guys. So in a way, they kind of still look out for each other. Yeah, but and, I guess... no, and the door is still open for Cesaro to return to Heyman or vice right. versa. So I think that's what I like most about that uh, segment. Here's my question, though, coming out of it is, uh, what does it say about Cesaro that he doesn't last long with a particular manager, right? Like, he had Zeb Coulter for about a couple months, and he dropped Zeb Coulter and the Real Americans, and then he aligned with Paul Heyman. It's not his fault. It's just really, the, it's just really creative's fault because um, they're not really sure what to do with him. I think as we see uh, SmackDown this week, um, he's being used as a bit of a jobber to the stars. But That's right, yeah. But um, we don't know for sure. I think he's... There is no space for him at the top, but there's also no space for him below. So he's in the middle uh, trying to find his place. He's and, in limbo. Yeah, in limbo, sadly. I hope um, something, something, a spot opens up and he rises to the occasion. I like that you mentioned the word jobber earlier because our next spot on the list, and this is something I know you would like, is about it's a, it's a jobber tag team that has been randomly put together, and yet we like the name that they put together. Thank you, JBL. Slater Gator, baby. And it's not just a name. I don't just like the name. I, I like them. I'm putting them in the spots list because uh, I like the dynamic that they're playing. Uh, Titus O'Neil is the guy who doesn't want to be in a tag team because um, his, his former partners have been failing him. Right, he had uh, Darren Young, yeah, and right. they had a very big breakup, which actually led to a PPV match. Right, and and you know, uh, O'Neill wanted to be a single star, but could not hack it, so um, he's begrudgingly in this tag team, and Slater is just happy to be in a team. Right, because uh, you know we all know that 3MB is no more. No on-screen explanation as to how or why Drew and Jinder left 3MB or the WWE. But yeah, Heath Slater, just happy to be here. And it's kind of nice seeing that uh, Heath Slater and Titus O'Neil kind of have this chemistry either on the JBL and Cole show or in, in the ring. Yeah, and I like the way they, you know, I like their relationship. The, that Titus O'Neil is a straight man and uh, Heath Slater is a comic foil who, does, who, who wants the team to stick together, you know. And you know what? This kind of relationship in a tag team has always been good. It's always been, uh, it's always proved itself to be quite successful. Some recent examples: you have Santino and Kozlov. Yeah, but Team Hell No. Sure. Booker T and Goldust. Right. So you know the, the straight man and comic foil uh, chemistry in a tag team. I like the dynamic. So I want to see more of Slater Gator moving forward. Right. And this is actually the sign, a sign, of an improving tag team division once again. But we'll get into that some other time as we as we move forward and, you know, watch it take shape before our eyes. Anyway, moving on. You know who's evolving right before our eyes? Who? My girl Renee Young. Right. And as you if for those who don't know, uh, Renee has taken a color, a color commentary spot on NXT. Right next to Alex Riley and I believe it's Byron Saxton. Byron Saxton or Jason Albert, the former uh, Lord Tensai. Um, and a host of other, uh, maybe also William Regal, and a host of other and uh, other color commentators. I think uh, Tom co- Phillips yeah. also does play yeah, it's play a, for it's NXT. A, it's a revolving door of uh, announcers over there, and it's kind of it's kind of hard to keep track. But I love having Renee and Alex Riley on commentary. Both of them actually provide a good uh, play-by-play and color commentary dynamic uh, that I particularly enjoy because Alex Riley explains how a move hurts. He's yeah. kind of in the yeah, mold. He, he he is the analyst, right? He's kind of in the mold of William Regal, where he where he tells you how the move is applied and why it hurts, right? And 
Alex Riley is such a joy to listen to on commentary. He is. He is. Yeah, he's so, I love he's him so, on commentary. He's so crisp. He's so smooth. He's, he's got great timing too. Yeah, by he's the got. Way. Yeah, he. But okay, wow, this guy was born to play uh, to do commentary. And it's sad that Alex Riley's singles career kind of fizzled out, but I love that he's still being used right now in this role, and I want to see more of that as well. I, but going back to Renee Young, I love how uh, I love the flavor that she adds, and it's not every day that you get to listen to a female voice in the play-by-play booth. It's not every day at all. It's like. I don't even know when the last time was that happened. I think it's never happened ever. And ever. I think it'll be groundbreaking if Renee Young ends up being the next Michael Cole. I don't know. I don't know. That. Um, hopefully that could happen uh, maybe one day, but I don't know. I, I don't think wrestling is going to take kind to a woman being a commentator. And that's a damn shame. That's a damn shame. But I, I want to see it happen. I'm 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 not averse to seeing this happen because I, I I like listening to Renee. So do I. I love Renee Young. She's she's great on the eyes, even greater on the ears. ESPN, stay the hell away from Renee. Okay. But I think I'd like to add one botch to the NXT commentary. Um, sure. The the dynamic between who's a face commentator and who's a heel commentator is not consistent. It's not clear. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get sometimes that too. Ray, Renee will uh, support a heel. Yeah. And sometimes she'll support the face. I can say the same thing about Byron Saxton. Exactly. So it's not clear. I don't know. It's not. I need my. I need my commentators to be consistent because they're the storytellers. Right. And and they give you different points of view. Yeah. Exactly. So I need. I need one guy to have a consistent point of view, and I need the other guy to have another consistent point of view. I need to know. I need to know who's the face and who's the heel. So who's the yeah. Jerry Lawler to your JBL? Exactly. Right. Uh, Let's go back to SmackDown from from uh, a couple weeks ago. Since by the time this podcast will be, out, it'll have been two weeks ago. Right. Uh, this was a spot actually. It's Alberto Del Rio versus Roman Reigns, and Ro was telling me this while I was watching the match. ADR actually outclassed Roman Reigns in that match. Right, and we'll go into Roman Reigns more a bit after uh, a little later. Yeah. Right. So, but you can see from this match, I don't know if it's just Reigns being green or you know relatively green, but ADR just being great. But ADR is so. You know, he's such an underrated talent. People just like to shit on him because of um, backstage stories. Backstage stories and the fact that he doesn't, he hasn't really done much to um, get his character over. Plus, he went up to the top so fast, so soon, without really having quote unquote paid his dues in the WWE. But that's not his fault. Exactly, that's not his fault. And not that much paid his dues, but more like there wasn't much to grasp. Um, there wasn't much to wrap around. Just saying. Anyway, so we'll talk about Reigns in a bit. So let's move on to the next botch. Uh, if you've seen, uh, for TNA fans, if you've seen Destination X this week, um, uh, for those who don't know, Destination X formerly was a pay-per-view. Now it's just a special TV episode, as with a lot of um, pay-per-views that TNA used to have. And in this episode, uh, if you don't know, they're kind of doing another ECW Originals versus uh, New Breed kind of thing. They were basically rehashing a storyline that I think was popular in the WWE sometime in 2007. And that's not just it. It's more of they do this all the time with ECW people. But that's not the botch, really. Uh, the botch here is that uh, the ECW Originals, which is Bub- Bully Ray, Bubba Ray, uh, almost said Bubba Ray, Bully Ray, uh, Brother Devon, and Tommy Dreamer, the immortal, unkillable Tommy Dreamer. Oh, yeah. Challenge uh, uh, Dixie Carter's um, new hardcore crew, uh, which would be Ethan Carter the third, uh, the former Derek Bateman of NXT, and Rhino, uh, Gene Snitsky, and the former uh, Big Zeke, who is now going by his real name, Rick Lon Stephens. 
Interesting. That's right. a, that's an interesting uh, feud you've got. Yeah, and yeah, right. So uh, the originals challenged them to a match at Destination X. Okay. And uh, EC3 denied declines that challenge and sets it for next week, which is a totally understandable heel thing to do. All right. Uh, it's a cowardly thing to do, and so uh, a lot of heels have done that over the years. And sure. okay, so obviously nobody likes that because they want to see them happen now. Okay. And um, Bully Ray says, uh, nobody wants to see it. Nobody wants to see it next week. They want to see it now. And, and that's something a face would say. Yeah, something a face would say. And that um, since they were in um, New York, uh, which is an ECW territory, um, Ray says that um, he can make the crowd riot if he wants to. Okay. So with those threats, the originals end up taking the challenge for next week on their own terms. But for next week. And that's kind of a leap in logic, if you ask me. I haven't seen the segment, to be honest with you, but that's a leap in logic. Because if you're a good guy and you're raring for a fight, you want the fight to happen right now. Yeah, I thought, you know I, yeah, you have yeah, I thought right behind you. I thought a brawl was going to happen. But okay, maybe somehow um, there was a better way to write uh, the match. As uh, There was a better way to write the postponement of the match. Okay, yeah. But um, okay, something happens, you know, something gets... Uh, Something uh, an authority figures ma- an authority figure makes the match instead of the faces uh, accepting the terms, or maybe one of the members of EC3 assaults a member of the originals and makes them uh, incapacitated or indisposed for sure. the night. Sure, yeah, something like that. There's a lot of different ways to write that, and they didn't. They just they just had Bully Ray accept it for next week. And that's kind of lazy, if you ask me. It's pr- it's a leap in logic, and it's pretty lazy. It doesn't matter if the if the faces get their own terms, but. Well, it's, it, it it makes him look kind of weird and you know castrated in a way. You know what? I like that uh, you brought up a botch that was actually a leap in logic because our next item on the list, while right. we did enjoy this segment as a whole, and as a whole it should be a spot, there's a glaring leap in logic in it. And I'm talking about the Brie Bella and Stephanie McMahon segment on Raw this week. If you haven't been keeping tabs, Brie Bella and Stephanie McMahon have a, have a feud going on right now, which if if everything goes as planned, will culminate in a big match at SummerSlam. We're talking about this feud, and before this, a few months before, um, Brie quit. She did. She did quit because the authority was trying to strip Daniel Bryan of his WWE World Heavyweight Championship. If he doesn't give it up, Brie Bella gets fired, so instead she quits. Which turned out to be for nothing because um, Bryan could have never competed for the, cha- for the championship anyway. So he had to get stripped anyway. Yeah. So that so, was kind of stupid, Yeah, right? that was kind of stupid, but it wasn't her fault. Nobody knew if Bryan would be able to return. So now they've kept Brie Bella in the storyline because, of course, she's still a WWE employee. Duh. Anyway, last week, um, or two Raws ago, yeah. uh, Stephanie McMahon got arrested in the middle of Raw. For bitch slapping Brie. For bitch slapping Brie and, you know, um, and, and, sent, and throwing her out of the stadium. Right, and then Brie Bella now comes back with a lawsuit, and she's, she actually did threaten to sue Stephanie McMahon. Right. And Stephanie, you know, trying to be all crocodile teary, she, she, you know, pleads for Brie Bella to not push through with a lawsuit. And Brie Bella goes, okay, fine, that's cool. I'm not going to push through with it as long as you give me my job back. I'm like, what? And I'm like, and this is the exact thing I tweeted when I, uh, in that segment. Bitch, you quit. <laughs> Right? It doesn't make sense because the reason why you quit, you quit the WWE was because you didn't want the authority to make you their bitch anymore. Right. And now you willingly put yourself back in the position where they can abuse you over and over again. That does not make sense. The, again, there are better ways to write 
um, Brie Bella returning to the company. Or Brie Bella even just having a sanctioned match against Stephanie McMahon. Right. I could write this in a way in which um, Brie gives, uh, Brie makes Steph's life hell that would force Stephanie to put them in a match. Right. Diba? There are, there are so many other ways to go about it. But, you know, to have Brie Bella just lazily ask for her job back, it, it just reeks of stupidity. I know I know that there was injustice done to her. But uh, everyone remembers that she quit. And it's kind of weird and it's kind of, again, uh, it's kind of removing your teeth when you ask for your job back after you quit. Don't get us wrong. We enjoy the storyline. We love the feud, especially when Stephanie McMahon got arrested. That yeah, was an Ste- Steph segment. is a good heel, too. She's doing her best. She's pulling her weight to, um, to sell this match. And I'm excited for the match as a story. So am I. So am I. Because Brie Bella, to her credit, also has made herself... Uh, you know, a character to rally behind. You right. can't take that away from Brie Bella. Especially, I, I guess it helps that in real life she's married to our boy D. Brian. Right, sure. Well, I don't really care about that. But anyway, yeah, you're right. Um, but uh, it's still, this is still a leap in logic. And it could have been handled better. It could have been handled all I'm saying. It's all we're very saying. much better. So with that, I think we've finished up with our list of things we don't like and like. About wrestling this week. Once again, this has been our Spots and Botches Let's get to our main topics for this week. Now, normally we have some segments that we also bring in to kind of spice up the podcast a bit. But these are some urgent matters that we have to get to right now. So let's get to, to uh, this week's biggest piece of news. And this is Spike canceling TNA's TV deal. Well, not exactly. Well, yeah, it's canceling, it's canceling the show. But they've chosen not to renew um, the, the deal, which has been there for nine years. Can you believe that? It's been nine years nine since years. Uh, TNA first uh, signed a deal with Spike. And this is after um, they let go of Raw. Right, right. And so, so it's a huge shock because uh, it, it's com- it comes to a shock to everyone because um, technically this is TNA's fault. Um, Spike was on the f- a bit on the fence about renewing TNA, but and then they found out that TNA was still working with Vince Russo. And uh, the news has been reporting that TNA, or, or sorry, that Spike actually dislikes Vince Russo a great deal. And that's because of uh, the way that Vince Russo wrote certain storylines that Spike didn't like. And we all know that Vince Russo gained a lot of his infamy both within and outside of the industry because of the Attitude Era. Right, and not just that, but so, well, the fans hold uh, Vince Russo in a particular reputation. For sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's so that's why. And after they found out, they immediately um, decided not to renew TNA. Here's the worst part: when Dixie Carter actually got the news, she tried to spin it in such a way such that TNA was the one who chose not to renew the deal with Spike, and that's what she told her people. Right, and so. A lot of lying going on, not just to Spike TV, but also to within TNA itself. And that's why TNA fans, if they do exist, well, uh, TNA well, fans, they do exist, are, are probably pretty upset about this because, for one, it, it really uh, it really changes the wrestling landscape as soon as October hits because that's when the contract is officially over. Sure, yeah, and without if, unless they find a new home, um, it might be that TNA, as we know it, or maybe as a whole entirely, would die. And that's bad for business. That's bad for wrestling because TNA is still kind of WWE's number two. It's still their their number one competitor because they're the number two to WWE's number one. Well, nobody had no. The WWE does not have competitors. They have alternatives. Alternatives. They have alternatives because nobody can compete with the WWE anymore. Uh huh. They don't. Um, WCW tried and they failed. Anyway, so they have alternatives. And um, well, a lot of people are employed by TNA. 
That's right. And we mentioned a lot of those names just earlier in the spots and botches list. And a lot of the wrestling talents that we see that WWE lets go, we actually expect them more or less to sign the TNA. Or to, uh, among other um, promotions. Other promotions. Yeah, sure. So, you know, to have one less promotion that actually has a TV deal to be existing in the wrestling business, it's not going to bode well for professional wrestling as an industry. And they cannot do live shows as well without a national TV clearance. That's so right. um, it's going to be tough straits for TNA unless they find a new home. and They don't have much time. They have about a couple months before October hits. Yeah, that's true. And, well, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. And assuming they were, they're able to um, run live shows like, um, let's say, you know, uh, other ind- independent promotions do, um, then they would only be able to present, you know, iPay-per-views um, it would not be the same. TNA would not be the same. They would have to downgrade a huge, a huge way. Um, they would have to cut production costs. They would have to really um, probably scale have back. to lay off talent as yeah, well. Yeah, not just lay off talent, but scale back on everything that you know makes them them. Exactly. So, exactly. So, so it, it's really going to be rough for anybody and everybody associated with TNA. So if you were running a company, let's say you were running a company, sure, and you were forced into this position, would you continue? Um, operating, but under you know under a decreased uh, budget, and you know, and with the things that entails, you know, not having that much, not having that great production quality and stuff like that. Or would you just rather fold up and give up entirely and start over, maybe? See, these are the times when I wish I I had the genius of Paul Heyman. Because fu- sure. funny you should mention this circumstance. Because I was reading last night this uh, interview that Paul Heyman had with Bleacher Report. Right. I know you hate Bleacher Report. Oh, yeah. I yeah. know you shit on them a lot. But uh, he, this interview that Paul Heyman had with Bleacher Report, just, uh, it was nice because it gave us some good insight on how Paul Heyman always fought every day to keep ECW alive. Now, if if the brain trust behind this company, let's say Dixie Carter and her and her inner circle, had the same fighting spirit, the same drive that Paul Heyman had, I think they'll be able to find a way to keep TNA alive. Paul Heyman was a liar. Let's, let's, I don't know, uh, let's be honest with that. Let's put it out there. Yeah, sure. He, he was a shrewd businessman, but, but he did everything he could to try and save ECW and keep it alive. And I think that Dixie Carter and her company do need somebody like Paul Heyman. Oh, no, they do need something. They do need to you know, adjust their focus and focus uh, the product on... Just wrestling, just doing a good job instead of trying telling to be, good stories. Yeah, telling good stories, putting out good matches instead of trying to try and one up the WWE. They they do that a lot. They 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 throw shots. They throw subtle shots at WWE all Remember the damn VKM? all the damn time. Not just VKM. Even uh, as late as, as recent as a couple of weeks ago, um, in which um, Bubba Ray was, you know, or Tommy Dreamer was saying that. The TNA was the was the best place for professional wrestling, unlike other places. Ah, parang sobrang bitter nila Okay, sobrang bitter nila It's it's kind of you know it's kind of it takes pathetic away from to the it's, it's pathetic to watch. Then parang okay, come on guys, we all know you're not going to be as big as the WWE yet. Maybe not in the near future. So why not just you know do your own thing and focus on that. And uh, I, I well, we hope for the best for TNA because we do want what's best for the overall business. But I just got to say this. I think Jeff Jarrett's pretty happy where he is right now. GFW, I, I don't know. I still don't know how it's going to work exactly, but uh, I can't wait to see it. And it's kind of bittersweet and, since he did start TNA and yeah, now TNA yeah. is well, being run into the ground. Well, but. whatever. Um, I think Jeff Jarrett would have been, you know, done a better job. Anyway, um, before, before that, I'd just like to say that if I were a, a worker, if I were a wrestler working for TNA, I would not be, you know, as afraid because 
um, since you know, since WWE, since WWE established itself as a monopoly of on wrestling, on mainstream wrestling. Okay, there are still a lot of other places you can work in. You have DG USA for yeah, one. you got DG USA and Evolve, ROH, you got ROH, PWG, you got Japan, and Mexico, right, right, uh, UK. A lot of the indie scene is strong, is now strong more than ever. And uh, you know the WWE has also been looking into the indie scene, so I guess they're kind of uh, feeding off of each yeah, other yeah. these days. The WWE takes from the indie scene and also gives to the indie scene, and we'll we'll discuss that in a future episode because I have a lot of things to say about that, uh, a lot of observations observations about that. Now uh, let's go to our next topic. You know, since uh, I think we've said all that needs to be said about Spike canceling the TNA TV deal, but you can also let us know what you think if you were in the position of somebody like Dixie Carter or one of the guys in one of the boys in the room uh, in the locker. Yeah, room what would you do? I, I want to know what you would do. Would you continue with TNA as it is? Would you scale back your production values, or just to keep the TNA brand alive, or would you just give up? Start over and hope it goes better this time. Let us know on Twitter. It's at Stan947. At Roazwar. But right now, I want to talk about this really quickly. And I know you do too. Right. Um, something yes. we've observed Please. probably over the last couple of weeks. Do tell. You, you know how when Team Hell No was a thing, Daniel Bryan had this, this weak link complex? Sure, yeah. We've discovered that there's actually a real weak link in what was once a powerful stable in the WWE. Oh, I like this. I like where you're going. The Shield. The Shield was strong. We believed in the Shield. We loved Ambrose, Reigns, and Rollins. But who'd have thunk that Roman Reigns was the real weak link in the Shield? I'm like, hey, Stan, bro, what the hell are you talking about? Roman Reigns is such a good wrestler. Really? If really, he's such sir. a good wrestler, what are his moves? Uh, we'll give you some time. How many moves does he have? All right, I'll, get, I'll tell you the answer. It's five moves. And let's count them down for you. Number one. Punch. Number two. Samoan drop. Number three. Superman punch. Number four. The apron dropkick thing. And number five. Spear. That's it. Yeah. Really? Watch if you don't, every Roman Reigns yeah, singles if you match. If you don't believe us, watch a singles match. Watch the match he had with Alberto Lurio. From two Smackdowns ago. That's why I, that's why I said that he, um, the Lurio outclassed Reigns there. Because all Reigns was able to do was his five moves. Okay, let's be fair and let's count the clothesline as another move. But technically, it's a strike and the punch is a strike. So that still leaves him with five moves. And people shit a lot on John Cena or on Daniel Bryan. Or Bret Hart, even. For having their, quote-unquote, five moves of doom. But they know how to do other things. And as, as it stands, Roman Reigns does not. And it's sad because, uh, and Ro mentions this a lot, especially when we do our chats on the Smart Gita Filipinas Facebook group. Sure, yeah. He, he says this a lot where, uh, you know, Roman Reigns is primed to be the hot tag guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, I noticed this, that his moveset was built around, you know, working tag matches or six-man tag matches. But uh, he was, he's going to be the hot tag guy. That's why they call him the heavy artillery of the shield. So... That's all he has to do. When he gets tagged in, he just comes in, does his five moves, and wins the match for the Shield. Right. Right. So, but I think he's still stuck in that mindset now that he's a, a single star. And in singles matches, it's all you. It's all you. You can't, you can't tag out for help. You can't um, have the other guy do um, moves for you. So now the onus is on Roman Reigns to actually diversify and to improve his moveset. Basically, adapt or perish. Because it's all about evolution, baby. Yeah, and yeah, Inya, if he wants to be a successful single star, he has to, he has to do this, exactly. He has to do more stuff. I, I know I, I'm not asking him to, 
to memorize the catch as catch can textbook or you know uh, start being a high flyer stuff like that or you know just even um, learning all the martial arts in the world I'm not asking him to have an unlimited move set I'm just saying he uh, people will notice that he only has five moves and if they haven't noticed now they will notice soon especially when you keep thrusting him in high profile matches I mean what uh, he would just learn a simple spine buster and add that to his move set or a suplex he doesn't even do a suplex Jesus. everyone does a suplex right right and you know we <sighs> or all an t- arm drag you know we all talk about how quickly fans may have seemed to turn on John Cena remember when he was the biggest thing in the WWE sometime between late 2003 and probably early 2005 sure everybody was cheering for John Cena whether it was the IWC or the smart fans or the marks in the crowd the little kids sure but right now as early as now if people notice just how limited Roman Reigns' moveset is they might just turn on Roman Reigns sooner than you think and he's not you know he's not anything solid to write home about on the microphone. I mean, okay, um, he does his uh, quiet uh, big guy stick. Man of well, few words. Yeah, yeah. He, okay, he does that well, but eventually he's going to prove it up. He's going to back. He's going to have to back it up in the ring. And and when he does, well, I, we hope that he actually does it. You know, with an with an actual Im, uh, improved move set. Otherwise, like I said earlier, people aren't going to get behind Roman Reigns. And I, and we already know this. It's a spoiler alert already that the WWE is pushing him to be the next big thing. Yeah, and we're saying this to warn you because um, we all know how the IWC is so particular about move set. Um, they they like all the fancy fancy schmancy moves and complex tactical maneuvers. But um, even though I agree that it's not always about that, it's about telling the story. Um, I can't get, I can't you know disconnect myself from how limited Reigns is making him look, m- making himself look like in the ring. Think about it this way: If Roman Reigns is going to be your next WWE World Heavyweight Champion, he's supposed to be the best wrestler in the WWE. How can you consider yourself to be the top guy, the best wrestler, if you can only successfully do five moves? Uh, and that's not my issue. That's not. Re- that's not really my issue. That's, not that's my, my issue from a logical standpoint. Okay, for you, but it's. I don't make a big deal out of move sets, like I only make. I only make a deal out of it when it pertains to the character. Okay. But um, for this, my issue with this is that um. Sure, Roman Reigns has the energy to power himself through a match, but I'm afraid that people might find him boring because he's only a five-trick pony. And when people find you boring, that's when they'll start to, you know, to, to either fandango on you or to chant other things like CM Punk. Yeah, yeah, he's not completely boring because he's got he's very energetic in the ring. But um, I can tell, I can foresee it happening. I, I can just foresee the crowd turning on him because he can't do more than five moves. So what do you think about Roman Reigns' currently limited move set? Uh, is there any is there any move that you think you can add to his move set to spice it up? Again, I'm, try- I'm trying to save your career, man. <laughs> I'm trying to save your career. Damn it, Joe. Damn it, Joe. All right. Uh, maybe you can learn a thing or two from his cousins. So yeah. hit us up. Uh, it's on Twitter at Stan947. At Roazwar again. Or join our Facebook group. We would love to hear from you. We would love you to join us, especially if you're a Pinoy, Ida, uh, a Pinoy wrestling fan. Because we say this all the time. Pinoy wrestling fans need to get together. Right. It's Facebook.com slash groups slash Mark Gilas Pilipinas. Right, right. And before we move on, before we start wrapping our podcast up, a few, a few moments, please. In a world where in space, nobody can hear you job. This is... Silence! The Damien Sandow Weekly Update. And this week, on Raw, he was an astronaut because they were in Houston. And that... 
I don't know. I don't even have anything to say about it anymore. And I'm, well, I liked it better than, you know. Beach bum? Beach bum. In Florida. In Florida. <laughs> But, uh, they could have uh, at least had him dress up as I don't know uh, Dwight Howard or oh yeah yeah or Yao Ming or something right Yao Ming <laughs> right. but uh, but that's not the the worst thing about this the worst thing about this is that he lost to Adam Rose again in seconds again in record time now Adam Rose didn't even have time to you know accomplish anything other than the party foul and Adam Rose is a guy who's being sent back down to NXT more often lately. So it doesn't really say a lot about Damon Sandow's credibility or whatever's left of it. So, yeah, it's very, very sad. So not much to say because not much to go on, really. And that, my friends, is the... Silence! Damien Sandow Weekly Update. You're welcome! And before we fizzle out completely, we got to let you know that this month, the month of August, is very special for us over at SGP. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. Because we are celebrating the very first anniversary of Smart Gilas Pilipinas. Hey! First, can you believe we've been doing this for 12 months? That's right. We've been doing this for a year, so we got to give a shout out once again to the boys and the girls of Smart Gilas Pilipinas. What's up, SGP? And wow, I can't believe this. I, I remember making this, this group. When I was unemployed. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Don't take all the credit for yourself, No, 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 no. I gave you... No, we, I, I floated you the idea because I, I was bored at home. I, I came up with a name. Right, sure. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was your idea. And, you know, to be honest with you, I was gonna. I was planning to, you know, change the name after some time because, you know, Jeez. people still think that we're a, a group or a basketball group. But it's stuck. The name is stuck. There's the brand call. Hell, you know, guys like Jocks love it. Anthony loves it. You know, the people over at SGP. We call ourselves SGP. Yeah, we're but a we, group. I'm still annoyed that people still think, uh, people still try to join thinking we're a fan group for smart Gila Filipinas. But when they see the picture of Bo Dallas on the cover, I, I guess they'll, you know, they'll learn no, otherwise. They, they don't know. I, I'm like, when you, I'm sure when you're not in the group, when you go to the group, the first thing you'll see is that. So I'm sure, come on, guys. <laughs> Obviously, we're a wrestling group. Eventually, people will learn. But It's in the description. You know what? We're looking forward to meeting all of the boys and the girls of SGP. And if you're planning to... You know, yeah, at our first anniversary party. That's right. And if you're not yet part of the group, but if you want to be part of the celebration, we're more than happy to welcome you if you're a wrestling fan. Because, and if you're Filipino. That's right. Because <laughs> you know we love to get together with wrestling fans. So that's coming up this August. It's going to be a stacked month. And we're looking forward to that. But right now, we have a lot of stuff to do. Especially right, yes. because it is yeah. the weekend. Yeah, and planning. Wait, 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 wait. Before we go, pick of the weeks. That's right. Pick of the week. Before we go, I got too excited. Picks of the week, my bad. I mentioned my pick of the week already earlier, but just to recap a bit, I loved that Cena, Cesaro, and Heyman segment and the match on Raw. That's my pick of the week. If you have to watch something from, from wrestling at all this week, it'll be that segment and match. So my pick of the week is another podcast episode. Um, I Well, there were too, too many things happened this week in wrestling, but... Um, I could not pick one solid thing. Uh, he already picked, Stan already picked the Cena Cesaro segment and match. <laughs> yeah, so I can't be redundant with that. Okay. So I'm going to pick for this week if you're subscribed to the Nerdist podcast, subscribe to it and go download their latest episode with CM Punk. It's live from the San Diego Comic Con uh, from last week. From last, yeah, from last week. Yeah, from uh, last weekend. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right, all right. And. It's two hours long, but it's so funny. Um, there's very minimal wrestling content. Uh, um, I believe Punk did not really want to uh, talk about wrestling, but there are some wrestling stuff, but not as much. But it's really just so funny, and you can tell that Punk is happy being himself. So that's my pick of the week. And before we leave, 
I want to give a shout out to our youngest podcast listener. That's right. His name is Enzo, and we promised to try to keep this episode a bit PG. We obviously failed. We failed a bit, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad. It wasn't, it wasn't as bad. As bad. Uh, shout out to Enzo and his ate. I think her name is Ariane. Papi. <laughs> but thank you so much for tuning in to the SGP podcast. And so, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for supporting us and for being a huge wrestling fan. I think he's a Mick Foley fan. Can you believe Oh, it? wow. A nine-year-old fan who loves Mick Foley. I am sure that he's never, ever lived to see Mick Foley's heyday. But you should. When you're older. <laughs> yeah. Not now. <laughs> no, no. Mick Foley is technically a bit peachy when, you know, when it comes to the things he says. But Stay well, away from mankind. <laughs> Stay away, Muna, from mankind and Cactus yeah, Jack. Just, do, just look up the, you know, the, the jolly old Mick Foley of his later career. Like Santa Foley or yeah. maybe some dude love. But stay away from the others. Right now, you know, I... I we, we gotta go. I, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta thank you for once again clicking download, pressing play, telling all your friends you know where to find us. We're on Google Play. We're on the iTunes Store. We're on your favorite podcast on app. Android. Yeah, that's right. So with that, we are out of here. Peace. Peace out. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.